What's up, everyone? Julian here. On today's episode, we have a special guest, Kai Savatari from Tokyo, Japan. Kai has actually been a guest on the show previously when he joined us in January. Back then, we primarily talked about life and especially legacy in Japan. And while this also features as a prominent topic on this show, we this time focus a lot more on the amazing project that Kai has actually been building for the last couple of weeks. Back in January, Callum and I told Kai that he really, really has to get into streaming. Because if you ask me, what I love about everything that Kai does is that he strikes that perfect balance of not only being really knowledgeable about the game, but also very charismatic and highly entertaining. I think you rarely get it that the guy who's top at a Legacy GP and a Bazaar of Moxen is able to run a stream with such genuine passion and great flow that it really draws you in. But there's more to him. He's not only a really good player and entertainer, He's also a distinguished artist. His works have been featured at several exhibitions across Japan, and he recently also started putting his services as a card altruist on offer. So we get a little bit into that, as it also features prominently on a stream between rounds. I gotta say, this is one of my favorite episodes we've ever recorded for Everyday Eternal, and I hope you're gonna have just as great a time as the three of us did during this recording. Hello and welcome to Everyday Eternal number 107, your favorite, most deceptively named bi-weekly legacy podcast. Joining me tonight, as always, is my co-host from the UK, Callum Smith. Callum, how's it going? How are you doing, man? I'm great. I'm really actually in a good mood about magic and legacy and everything. And uh, yeah, we'll talk about why in a minute, but everything's good. How about you? I'm actually curious to find out. This is this is the most enthusiastic <laughs> you've ever been in the intro. <laughs> uh, well, I'm feeling I'm feeling good too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Paper Legacy is back. This is it. We've had three weeks at our local store doing it again, and um, this coming weekend we're doing our first LLMs. They're called, which stands for London Legacy Monthly Limited Liability. No, wait, that's something else. Limited Liability Manor. Manners, it's something to do with manner, <laughs> and um, <laughs> it, yeah, it's it's our it's our big comeback. We're running events on Saturday and Sunday. Um, we were doing these for about two and a half years before COVID came along, and uh, it's just going to be so good to get them back. They are to hype us up a little bit. They are like proxies allowed and no profit taken at all. All entry goes back into prizes. They've just they're just in place to get prizes and cars into the players hands back again and get people playing legacy and that's how it started very small and it's just i'm buzzing to get get them back and get them going again so yeah that's why i'm in well, such that's a amazing yeah. and you also you, you have trophies right you showed me the trophies we got trophies so we're, we're moving to credit because the the increase in price of jewels is extremely sad and um, we can't really afford to buy it a tropical island for first place anymore because they're just too expensive so we're moving to like a credit from a um a tournament organizer and store that have always supported us and always support legacy and they put legacy events on and so hopefully that means that people can like you know win enough and like save up credit to get a jewel or something but that means that people aren't gonna be taking anything home on the day so i was like we can't have that you can't be like here's your winner and 
they're like hey cool so yeah i've got some pretty cool trophies saying the date and the the name of the tournament and everything and i'll keep doing that every month where can people actually find out more about that is that like a, a facebook group or uh, how, yeah. how do i get into it so there, there's a facebook group called southern legacy players uk and it's where i just spam all the constant news about our weeklies and then these monthlies and um it's mostly me just saying hey this is what this was going on but um we report like the results and report who does well and like who goes undefeated our weeklies and stuff and in there is basically all the information um i'll post sometimes on twitter once or twice about like ticket links and stuff but if you're interested in coming to these one of one of these events join the group um we sometimes have pretty cool discussions about state of the format and stuff as well so yeah you southern legacy players uk <laughs> but, but really like we, we have we have such a good scene in london um we didn't always it's quite interesting yeah like three years ago up until three years ago sorry we just didn't have anything we had our weeklies which were like i don't know 15 people but it was never supported nothing going on until myself and tom kellock and claude schmidt uh, we started it Oh, Cla Claude is the blonde guy, right? Who plays yeah. uh, goblins? No. <laughs> oh, close. He, he always makes fun of goblins. But um, you might have met him at like a European event. Yeah, I was wondering. Like, I think I, I met your entire crew like back in 2017 when you mm. raided our apartment when I came home from the Barcelona game. And oh, I was like, was why are there like 10 Brits in our apartment <laughs> playing goblins versus elves? I think and goblins stuff. versus elves and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember if he was there actually. Maybe. Anyway, we. Uh, We were just like, okay, fine, no store is going to make events for us. We'll make them ourselves. And they've been going pretty strong from there. They were like selling out of 50 people, which was the capacity. 50? Yeah, we were like consistently hitting 50 people. And that was the, we were doing it in a pub in near Camden towards the end. And we, that's that was their limit. So yeah. Camden so it's like northwest in London? Yeah, mostly like, yeah, northeast, centrally. Yeah. yeah. But, Place. and awesome, now man. for this weekend so we both events have 36 players saturday is about to sell out and sunday has 20 people signed up so that's 56 um gonna be more i'm sure as well oh so, yeah. you do you do the old tournament organizer cheat counting where you you count like attendance <laughs> the same for people two different events as individual people <laughs> well there's only three people going to both days so yeah i'm allowed get out of here I get it, I get it. Yeah, But dude, yeah. that's, that's amazing. We've actually been doing the same here in, in like our my suburb of Munich, Freising. And um, like I'm not involved with the organization. I'm just occasionally the hype man or something. Apparently, mm. like some people actually got traveling to from like all the way from Austria to Munich for the nice. tournament because they heard about it on my stream. And the last tournament actually sold out. Um, it was capped at 32. Uh, but over 40 people actually wanted to sign up, so they, they actually started uh, like implementing a waitlist. And now they're also they are starting the tournament earlier in the day, so it doesn't go too late. Mm -hmm. um, especially if, if there's more people showing up, you will need an additional round and stuff. And I, I'm just excited. Like I got my se second COVID shot now, and like I, I feel safe to go because the next one has already been announced for let me lie September 5th. And if you want to find more about that on Facebook. It's called September Legacy in brackets mid proxies im etc. Etc. Is, <laughs> is the bar a restaurant that actually lets us use their space, amazing. and yeah, it, it's it's just amazing. And I, I'm so excited excited to just like see how this whole proxy scene is revitalizing the format like nothing before. It sounds similar to what we've been doing, which is is so good to hear because we've just been doing it in the back of a pub, and like the pub has been giving us the space for free, but in return they get people buying loads of beer and food and stuff, and it's like a win win, I think, kind of thing. And yeah, it, that just kind of feeds off itself. So when you have the space for free, you can kind of put all your uh, energy or money or whatever into prizes, and you know people just yeah. want to play as well. That's the thing. At the beginning, we we had a couple of mistakes we made at the beginning was 
increasing the entry and stuff because we're like, yeah, let's get better prizes. But people love good prizes, of course, but they just want to play. And like the proxy thing is so big. Um, we do have like some rules around it. We don't want like sharpied on the back of stuff. We want people to make a little bit of an effort, print it out nicely and like whatever. But no fakes. We had this discussion before. No, like uh, it has to be a playtest card is the official term because a, a proxy is like given yeah. out a GP when a card gets um, damaged or something. But yeah, uh, it's so cool to hear that this is popping up in Germany and like maybe it'll just pop up in other countries as well more and more. And this is what it's going to be like. Yeah, def- definitely, definitely. Like, I, I, I'm super excited to keep pushing this. <laughs> yeah, and for me, like the, the the other reason why I'm so excited is like uh, paper paper magic and legacy, especially, just hits so different. I, I got pretty burnt out of playing just on Magic Online towards the end of well, the last few months or so, and I've really not played very much online the last couple of months. But um, I don't know. There's something about paper that just it feels so different. It's so nice to be there with friends playing. I know it's so cliche, yeah. but God, it's Tell just so, it. so good. It's so, so good. Awesome. So, yeah. man. And speaking of playing with friends, seeing people again, we invited one of our good friends from Japan. Uh, well, actually, to me, he's a friend from Germany, but from all around the world these days. We have Kai Savatari on the podcast tonight. Kai, actually, for you, it's the morning, right? How's it going? Did you sleep well? Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, yeah, it's me, Kai Savatari, a.k.a. Savatari's Magic Online, as I um, introduce myself <laughs> in my new stream. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Wait, what stream? We'll get oh, we're going to talk about that in <laughs> just a second. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, damn, you guys have a lot of cool uh, news about like local events and stuff like that. I unfortunately can't say the same thing about Tokyo. Um, we are currently in our 100th lockdown i guess um again and um so the full august is kind of like blocked for the um, for the tokyo area um it's gonna it's gonna be unblocked after september i think um there's like a huge just okay yeah there's like a huge uh paper vintage tournament coming up in hararuya um which is called like the god of vintage um at this time and it's and like in the past couple of times, um, there were like uh, between 80 and 140, 50 paper vintage players, Whoa. Um, you know, who, who battled for that like trophy. And it was, it was kind of crazy, right? And like, yeah, like lots of lots of just big names too, like Yuta Takahashi, for example, like who is, I don't know if he's Hall of Fame or anything, but like he, he's, he's just, just a very good oh, magic yeah, player, right? right? And lots of other That's people amazing. too. Yeah, so um, we have that on the line um let's let's see how it goes because like covid numbers are kind of terrible in japan especially these days but let's don't worry about bad covid numbers for now i got i also got my my second shot um yesterday um i'm now also fully vaccinated which is kind of awesome i'm feeling a little yeah it, it's kind of amazing right um i, I think Callum also has a second shot we're actually conducting this mm-hmm. podcast recording through oh, our sick. new 5g powers yeah, yeah this is, this <laughs> is okay, okay so, this, so this is a fully vaccinated podcast then yeah oh yeah i dig that i dig that a lot yeah sick. first podcast okay. with uh no mics no headphones no yeah no internet no nothing <laughs> this is the future right <laughs> we're talking into your mind dude awesome awesome by the way and speaking of japan Callum, we have so much to learn from japan Mm-hmm. Our events are called London Legacy Monthly and like Legacy with proxies and etc. That bar, 
and in, in Japan they're called the God, God of Legacy, <laughs> the God of Vintage. Yeah, that actually crossed my mind when he said, "Is oh shit, we suck." You, I mean, you, I, I gotta say, I, I'm a little embarrassed by those uh, by those titles because, like, oh, no, it's so like, cool. Like, no, seriously. Like, I mean, seriously though, like, Im- imagine you win this tournament and then you're like, okay, well, I mean, everyone can call me God now. Like, that's kind of, I don't know. I it's, feel it's kind of uncomfortable. No, there, there's like there is a fine line between like kind of embarrassing and silly and just over the top enough to be funny and cool but not too ridiculous i think it's it's got this like perfect nice place there okay like if, well, then... if there's some more adjectives in there if it was like super amazing god of legacy blah blah i, I wonder if there's like, something oh. special about the word god because i know in street fighter there's this legend of the five gods of street fighter who, who mm-hmm. are like traditionally like the all Japanese and they're like the best arcade Street Fighter players in Japan and they they got this title the Five Gods of Street Fighter and I, I wonder if that's just like some some obsession with that word because in, in Europe it would be like rather weird to to, to have that mm-hmm. kind of title for some I, I guess not London's really not really like a very uh, religious or god kind of place we could do like the Ripper of London like. The, leg- the legacy ripper. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think that. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean there, there's 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 a whole system behind um, the the god of vintage, legacy, modern, standard, and limited. Um, oh my like God, the god of limited, Ooh, yeah, look dude, at me. yeah. Because <laughs> like those those events, they happen like uh, once every um, quarter of a year, so every three months. And um, whoever wins that gold of um, whatever format tournament has to then battle a best of five against the previous god, basically, right? Are you fucking so, kidding me? This is like no, some some serious enemy shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, so cool. That's like some that's like some serious end boss level um, battling, right? So, so you have, and that's like f- like full coverage and like. Uh, it's on national interview. TV. The president is sitting there actually and watching. Like yeah, prime like, minister, right? like that's freaking Abe, like the whole country's watching. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, like yeah. I mean, who's watching those Olympics like, anyway? And, like it kills on the first turn, and the other guy is like on, on stacks. Like, okay, what can you do? Whatever, GG. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and like, have, those, have you ever and, been the god or the prince uh, of legacy or something? I've no, I am. Um, I've been in the top eight uh, two times, I think, but uh, I've never actually won the event because, like, for Legacy, we are looking at like two, three hundred players in paper, and that's like massive, right? I mean, first of all, you gotta top eight that, uh, which is mm. already kind of difficult. But then you have to, you know, and like the the, the problem with um with Legacy in Tokyo is that like so many good players are from Tokyo. Like, I feel like the best players in Japan are all sitting in Tokyo somewhere because they're, like, so many tournaments and, you know, people just get, like, so many reps. Anyway, um, so if you if you win that, like, if you defeat the current god, um, it means, it means like, a lot of things. Like, a lot of things happen to you. Like, you, you get a lot of prize money um, for the time you being. You get to consume oh, their soul. Yeah, kind of. And you get, you know... You, <laughs> um... I think you can you can enter any tournament for free. Uh, Are you like, like a, kidding? Me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this this is like a, better and better. There's, yeah, there's like a lot of things, right? Like, I mean, I haven't really looked it up just yet because it never happened to me. But uh, this is like a lot of cool things, I guess. And um, but like this is incredibly flavorful, dude. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of cool. But like ultimately, it's um, I mean, you gotta win this, right? Like, I mean, if you top eight, that's that's cool and all, but like if you actually defeat the, the the god then you're someone and then well yeah let's not even talk about it because like it, it's it's kind of like you know up to um up in the stars and like it kind of 
I can't, I don't know. Like, I, I don't, yeah, it's, it's somewhat ridiculous. Like, if you can make it, then you are <laughs> indeed maybe a god. <laughs> I love that. Do you idea get like a like... championship ring or something? Um, there is a trophy. There's, I think there's a trophy, um, which, you know, then gets handed over to the next god and so on and so forth. I think. Or maybe there's is, is there like, is there like some kind of like honor, honorific in, in Jap- Japanese where you have to address them as, as a god now for, for the time being? Uh, well, that'd be kind of weird, right? <laughs> oh yeah, that would be weird. Okay, <laughs> uh, but um, so but what what Hariria did previously is that the um whoever um you know becomes the new god candidate um like his picture like an actual nice like portrait uh photograph is gonna be like framed and like you know placed in the tournament center. <laughs> um, kind of like, like near the feature image area. So like whoever walks into the Haruria tournament center is, you know, is gonna see your face. So yeah, you better, you better uh, get a nice you, you little shape. All of this yeah. up and we wouldn't know better. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm gonna go and win so, this yeah, thing. So yeah, so what's kind of cool, what's, what's kind of cool is that like on, on the day when, um, like a god of legacy modern, whatever happens, like some of my friends, they, like I can see that, like they, they took a shower in the morning, you know. They took a shower in the morning. They they probably shaved their beard, you know, like they, they like because like just in case, <laughs> yeah, just in case, right? Like if you can make it, you better look good on camera. So um... <laughs> it reminds me of the the time that I top eighted Eternal Weekend. Julian did as well, and um, I just got back from a skiing holiday, and the first day I hadn't put sun cream on, so. I'm completely sunburned and my face is completely red. I'm like, God, this is so embarrassing. I feel terrible. And it was the first event. I remember going on the way. I was like, I don't mind if I don't do well because it means that no one will take a picture of me. And of course, this is the event where I do quite well and stuff. It's, okay, it's just the, how it the, works. The, that's like the most British thing I've ever heard in my life. Like people in, in Britain, they go, yeah, I mean, they're, they're all white and they turn red and then they yeah, go white again, yeah. right? It's like like yeah. ketchup and mayonnaise kind of thing. Yeah, and like it, that's exactly, you're, man, you're yeah. the most British person I've ever oh, yeah. seen in my whole life. I am life. quite. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was just being on top of a mountain the first day. I, I realized it was only like two hours. Then I realized, I was like, oh, shit, 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 put cream on. But yeah, no, too late, all gone. And uh, yeah, this is how it goes. So the moment you take a shower and like brush yourself up, that means you're not going to win. So take note, everyone. You got to be smelly and red to win to do well. <laughs> yeah, dude. Seriously, I thought you were like super shit faced at that tournament when you showed up. You oh, were, I was like, as well. all red in the face, and I was like, oh, I want to play against that guy. He's probably super drunk. We were also out drinking till about four in the, in the morning the night before. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, sounds right. So, Kai, what what are you actually up to these days? Like, if, if there's like the strict lockdown, is there anything for you to um, do? Because like we will be talking about your stream in a minute because you you started that and that's one of the most amazing things to happen to Legacy in, in the last couple of weeks. But what else are you up to? Uh I've been cooking a lot. Um, I've been like I'm I have a big passion for 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 cooking in general. Um, I got like a couple of hobbies, right? Like like painting and playing magic and, and so on and so forth. But also cooking, like I do live together with my girlfriend um we live in the same apartment but she doesn't cook she's kind of like a workaholic i mean she yeah just kind of works a lot and um as a german teacher and she's japanese though and also plays magic by the way uh for for six months now and now she and she hit mythic level on magic arena which is kind of kind of crazy and also scary at the same time anyway um i've been cooking a lot of food um i cook i cook twice a day um and usually kind of try to keep balance um you know like just like a not like vitamins and like 
uh, I don't know, like uh, meat and fish and all that kind of stuff. And recently, I've been really into those gyozas, those like like dumplings, originally from uh, from China, um, stuffed with like just a lot of things. Wait, let me let me look it up. Uh, it's usually filled like yeah, like ground pork, uh, ground pork, uh, green onion, like cabbage, ginger, garlic, soy sauce, um, sesame oil, uh, and you can also put in some shrimps if you want. Um, they're just awesome. Or sushi, um, like sushi parties at home, um, because we have a super super nice um fish market just you know oh, outside dude. the door and uh yeah. Is it like the big famous one? No 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 oh no yeah you you're talking about skiji right? You, you're talking about the one which uh, like yeah for sure it's, it's, that's exactly <laughs> no idea you, dude the big famous dude, one I, where you have to show up at like three in the morning. <laughs> I, I mean if you, if you saw it on, on YouTube it's probably uh the, the biggest one yeah it was like as big as like two football fields and uh it's it's kind of like massive you have to go there like at three a.m. to get the best fish and so on it's it's kind of it's kind of all over the place but yeah um no we have a a local small fish market um. And uh, they still treat me like a foreign person. It's, it's kind of crazy. Like, there, there's this old man. And I've talked to him so often in Japanese. Like, I mean, and my, my Japanese is kind of, is, is, is fine, right? Like, I'm, I can talk like a native. But, uh, he, and I've been, I've been buying fish from him for like three, four years. And he still greets me in English sometimes. And I'm like, <laughs> what? I'm, I'm like, what the f- actual fuck? <laughs> I've been buying your fish for like so long, and why? The, okay, don't even. Yeah, okay. But how would he even know that you that like you speak English or like that that Japanese is not your only native language? Like, do, do, guess, do you have like an mm-hmm. accent or, or or like a dialect uh, where people would be like, oh, he's he's from Germany or something? Uh like once I start talking, um, people see. Oh, okay, well, I mean, you know, Kai's Kai's you know, he's Japanese. That's it's fine. But like, um, it's probably because I'm I'm more like a tall guy like i'm uh one meter and 83 uh i think centimeters um it's kind of like a weird way to say it anyway um, i'm i'm kind of like i'm kind of above average and again i don't fully look japanese maybe it's maybe like part of my face or my nose maybe anyway it yeah and like you know that like the area where i live um it is called setagaya it's kind of like this hip the hipster area in in tokyo um but also like a lot of old people too. And, um, they're like not a lot of foreign, foreign people because this is not a tourist area. Not yet. Yeah. Not yet. So if you are not full, um, full Japanese, then you kind of, the people are going to recognize, um, going to recognize you and, you know, just, okay. Keep okay. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. Yeah, so, so yeah, if, uh, if you guys, by the way, um, want to learn more about magic or or specifically legacy in Japanese, we have another episode with Kai. Um, that was in the nineties, I want to say. Um, you can look that up. It was one of our previous episodes <laughs> where Kai talks a lot about how legacy and magic works in Japan. It's just absolutely amazing. In the ni- in the nineteen nineties or episode ninety? Uh, in the, like like in the between, I think episode ninety and one hundred, somewhere in between there. Cool, cool. When you when you said that, I thought you meant like the 1990s. It's like, oh, we've known Kai for that long. <laughs> okay, sorry, I'm just being an idiot, Kai. <laughs> but you, you get the idea, also. <laughs> so, Kai, I already teased it. Um, you recently started streaming, right? So, how long ago has it been um, that you picked it up, and how many streams have you done ever since? Because it felt to me like you've been streaming almost daily. Um. So, I want to say you guys made me start the stream. 
I mean, like, a, a lot of people may um, combine, I guess, but like, you guys told me in the last time, um, I was guest on this podcast. I think you, Julian, and you, Callum, like, you both said, yeah, it would be kind of cool if you, uh, mm -hmm. could start the stream, maybe, um, you know. Uh, so, like when are the royalties coming in? Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is serious. Like, I mean, like, in, I think, especially now uh, with COVID, um, people are consuming a lot more online content, right? Like be it streams on Twitch or YouTube videos and stuff like that. Like people are spending so much time at home um, watching things like Netflix. And um, I'm also a big um, consumer. Pornhub. Pornhub, yeah. You can see uh, <laughs> those eight hours, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, well, okay, I kind of like watching um, other people play Magic. And I, I find it really interesting when, when people play Magic and also have, like, something really interesting to say. Um, not necessarily about the game, but all about their lives and, you know, kind of um, about what's going on and um, and maybe their other hobbies and things like that, right? And, um, well, um, yeah, it's like, okay, well, I kind of want to try that out, too. Um, I had to basically rebuy a new computer and set up everything because like i was i've been a laptop person my whole life um and i thought yeah like, like there's no reason to get a proper desktop but um my laptop and even though it was a surface book too it couldn't handle a stream at all mm -hmm. yeah right? if you, was, like if you want to go anywhere that's just like no way you can do it from a laptop that's just like too many issues like you can do it but if you if you like you sound the way you describe it, I had no idea you were this determined from the start. But like, yeah, if, if that's what you want to do, that's the way to go. Right. Like it's. I mean, you know, it's it's like you. It's like imagine if you're making sushi and instead of like a proper, you know, you're using like a, a pocket knife to cut your fish. Anyway, like it. it you know, you, you you need to have the the right gear, I guess, for uh, for streaming. So I I bought a new PC, a new um new lights, new camera, new everything, new mic. And, um, yeah, um, it started three weeks ago. Um, and I had, I had a general vision of, okay, I, I kind of want to stream legacy, but also want to add something no other streamer has, um, to maybe set myself a little up or do some, um, to not do exactly the same as, you know, like 50 other streamers, right? Um, so you decided to, not to stream Band Miracles or whatever? So I, so first of all, I decided to not stream Bond Miracles in Delaware. <laughs> and, um, that's step number one. But, uh, the second was like, okay, well, so what, like, what are my other hobbies? Like, what, what are things I'm good at? And what are things people could be interested in, uh, watching? And, and yeah. And then like, it took me a, a couple of days to think about it. But then I was like, well, maybe people might be interested in, uh, watching me painting art life. Maybe that's something, um, Cool to watch and in on a on a weekly day uh, basis i'm i'm streaming like on weekdays i'm um, usually for like you know playing a league maybe um but if i stream those challenges uh during the weekend you always have that like 10 20 30 minute um time between rounds right like you know imagine you finish around like in 10 minutes and you have like 40 minutes left and it's like okay well i mean you gotta do something in those 40 minutes like you, you can't just like don't say anything so, um, I see most people, um, double queue and play some leaks or, um, talk about meta games and stuff like that, which, which is cool. I'm, it's definitely a good way to, um, kill time. 
when I was like, okay, well, so what if I can show off my um, my second passion, which is like painting art, and maybe I can show you guys um, how like everything behind the scenes. I've been doing these uh, alterations, like these um, MTG card alterations, now, and I only post the end result on Twitter, but never the steps in between and like how I eventually got to those results and um, yeah, so um, we do a live altering session while talking about magic, obviously, and yeah, it's been uh, a good vibes. I've, I've been enjoying it quite, uh, quite a lot. Awesome, dude. So how long does it actually take you to, to finish one of your alterations? Uh, I, I've watched your challenge stream and I think you, you were painting on a snow-covered swamp, right? Did, did you actually finish that? Uh, yeah, I did finish it. Um, I have a I have a general rule, or like I have a concept for my alterations. So, like the, you guys know that there are like a lot of different alteration types in in Magic, right? Like some people they go like they completely change the artwork. Some people go like, okay, well I kind of want to um, extend um, the artwork and do like full full artwork, no text box kind of thing. Some people only add a few details, maybe. For like for me personally, um, I think that um you should not ruin the the original art because i have a big respect for um for the magic artist you know who who, who, um, who painted the original pieces and instead i want to maybe amplify um that artwork with um adding some more pieces to the original art uh, which makes it kind of stand out but also kind of amplifies it so that um people can easily recognize them and also that it makes them more playable so you you're not gonna get in any trouble with like um judge calls for example or like judges saying that hey you know i i don't know i don't even know what that card is so you can't play it um and again like you know um we are all competitive players so um you you want to make are we? your deck <laughs> yeah kind of right i mean you you, you want to make your deck uh unique um but you also want to make sure that these are all still playable, right? Like, because, like, it's, I think it's the actual worst if you have a card altered and then the judge comes along and says, well, you know, you can't use that card. That feel, yeah, would be yeah. kind of weird. Kalum, you actually, you ordered some cards from Kai, right? I, I think I I've did. seen some construct tokens. Yep, yep. They came yesterday and they're so cool. I got to use them straight away. So thank you so much, Kai. They, um, Kai did some other ones. He did construct tokens for another customer, I guess. And um, they just looked kind of dark and very weird and stuff. And they gave me this HR Geiger vibe. And I'm a huge, huge Geiger fan. So I <laughs> saw that and I was like, this is kind of alien-y. And uh, I was like, is it too far to ask him to do like massively Geiger inspired? So I messaged Kai and he was like, man, fucking love Geiger too. Let's do it. And uh, yeah, <laughs> they're brilliant. So I'm also playing tons of Urza Saga and like Khan decks at the moment, so I'll be using them in basically every deck, so it's just perfect. So yeah, I hope you enjoy doing them, Kai. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Um I was I was uh making your constructs while listening to this podcast. Actually. Ooh, was, nice. Was, <laughs> That's so cool. like so so while I was while I was doing those alterations, I had yeah, I had your lovely voices in my Aww. in my head, so <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I play them, I'll uh, like stop my post. Hold on, hold on. I should to listen to Kai. I'll like pull your stream up while I'm playing it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we should probably stop here. Okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. But so if, if anybody wants to send you a request or a commission, um, you, you got your own website, right? Where We're, we're going to put it in the show notes uh, where people can find you. And do you have like a huge backlog or are you open for new submissions right now? 
Yes, always. Um, yeah, you can you can either um, go to my homepage. It's uh, savataridoodles.com. It's uh, my last name, basically. It's it's S-A-W-A-T-A-R-I-X. No, excuse me, without the X and then doodles. <laughs> yeah, I go, dude, I, I fucked up my own uh, URL. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's Savatari. I was going to talk to you about your nickname. That's not the most audible. Like the, yeah, Savatarix. Everybody's going to spell it with a, yeah, C-K-S in the end. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, it's not Savatari X. It's Savatarix. Yeah. Let's oh, okay, okay. Let's, let's keep it all simple. <laughs> right. Yeah, so uh, you, um, everyone can uh, reach me out on um, my homepage. Um, there's like a contact form there, or you can simply um, send me an, a D, um, direct message on Twitter or on Facebook or anywhere, and um, I'll get in contact with you. Um, there is no limit or any anything like that. You, if you have 50 cards requests, then you know, we can definitely make those, and they're gonna go into the queue. So, yeah, and we can also I'm, send you a fax, right? Aren't faxes like super popular in Japan still? I heard <laughs> that like the Japanese government is gonna try to like crack down on fax machines and their use because they're like come on guys let's get rid of that shit we, we can't yeah. like keep like, using those isn't that like the most embarrassing thing ever dude like <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, i'm a big fan of like old technology like i listen to records and stuff at home and so there's something about faxes which is kind of uh, nice and they're it's it doesn't make sense at all but i used to enjoy doing them when i was younger maybe that just sounds weird doing them like <laughs> <laughs> like sending a fax sending a fax <laughs> I mean, Callum, like, do, I mean, Callum, do you, do you still use like SMS instead of uh, Facebook messages? Or no, no, I'm not too bad. Okay, okay. Callum still has that like 50 56k modem that goes like. Do, 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 do. That's why it takes us so long to, to set up the podcast in the beginning. Yeah, nice, <laughs> awesome. So, so Kai, um, do you, do you have like distinct times of the day when you're streaming, um, where when people can find you? And before we go into that, by the way, I want to add that. After watching like even just a couple of your streams, you already are my favorite legacy streamer. You're like you you embody that whole thing of like, hey, always being positive, always being happy, and also being able to laugh about yourself. Like I I remember when when you dude you fucked it up so badly with that sneak attack you played. I think was it yesterday or today. I saw, I saw this. <laughs> I <clip>. Remember? <laughs> yeah, it, it was, it was and, the biggest. And like ever. you had the biggest laugh about it, and you just like screenshotted it and put it on Twitter and. I, Dude, that's just like the kind of attitude that really speaks to me because you're so authentic and genuine and that that's just like what I'm looking for in a streamer. So completely agree. seal of approval so. and recommendation from my side. Mm-hmm. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> People are wondering, how does one actually fuck up sneaker tech? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that was exactly my thought, right? Like, I, like, because people have been like, so yeah, for everyone um, listening to this, so um, I picked up Sneak and Show um, the uh, 75 list by, um, JPA, like famous, famous, um, MTGO grinder. Like he basically top eights every event and like, you know, does very good at magic. Um, really talented. And I picked up his list and I, and I went like one and four and I couldn't just, I couldn't get it together. I just, I, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. And also I, I, I punted so hard. I thought that if once you have Gristlebrand on the field, like you can't possibly lose, right? That's what I thought, and then, but you know, it actually happened. So yeah, that's what I thought too. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> wasn't that the thing where where you could have like attacked, but instead you like you drew seven, went down to seven, and then like goblins and response just killed you with like what they had on the board. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it was against goblins. And I, yeah, I had like a um a sneaked in Gristlebrand, and I I decided to draw fourteen because I was greedy and was like, okay, well, if if I'm sneak attacking, then I I kind of want to do it right and get uh, also that. Um, spaghetti dude and um 
I completely forgot about my, my opponent um having that um what's it called that drain goblin the black one. It's a, oh siege gang lieutenant. Siege gang lieutenant, yeah, that's the one, right? And yeah, gang, it, it, it ca- yeah, right. And like it was, it was it was kind of weird, right? Because like I I felt I felt like so ahead in the game and like okay, well like I can't possibly lose this. I I got Gristlebrand. Like what 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 can even go wrong, right? And then then like the check goes like wild, like no 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 no, and like oh like what happened, right? That's kind of weird. Um, anyway, um, yeah, those streams I so. You got, you gotta, you gotta need a positive vibe. First of all, it's, it's like the game is like so much fun and streaming, streaming magic is like also for me as a creator now, um, is so much more enjoyable than, um, playing a league just by myself because like I also laugh about puns when I'm just by myself, but it's, um, but you know, like I'm, I can't share that, um, punt or whatever <laughs> to, to, to anyone, right? Yeah. So like if you punt, you better share it. <laughs> Dude, that should be the slogan of your stream. I'm loving it. But oh, but seriously though, I'm like you are really good at magic. Like you are really really good. You're probably one if not, well I don't want to say who's the best like I I can't tell but you are definitely up there as one of the very best doomsday players in the world. And that's also like why we received so like every time you come on the podcast we receive so many questions about Doomsday because everybody wants to unlock the secrets, even like established Doomsday players and they're like, This guy is doing something right because not only did you just um top eight another legacy challenge, I think you also won a legacy challenge just like the week prior. Like you you've been doomsdaying a lot lately. Um Yeah. Just say um, yes. It, 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 <laughs> uh, thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um I I think I have a very similar mindset as, as Callum. And also, you were, like, you don't necessarily have to play the best deck in a format. Um, just stick to a deck you're really good at. And, um, for example, Callum said the same thing about, uh, Espa Mentor a couple of months back. And I, I just really dig when people are really passionate about their own archetype. And even though they have, um, a, you know, so some, some weakness against the top decks, um, you eventually gonna overcome them or maybe you don't even get paired against them and things like that. And like, it is always scary as a doomsday player to enter a showcase challenge or like a, a legacy challenge in general because, um, they, they are all infested by, by Delva and Delva is de facto the, um, the worst matchup for, for doomsday and um, by a lot. So like, you, you see, um, you hear a lot of people saying like, okay, so why would you want to pick up a deck which has such a bad matchup against the most played deck in, in the format, right? Like, it, it sounds so odd, right? Like, why would you ever want to do that? Um, but truth is that, first of all, um, you might get lucky and not get paired against it. And also, you can beat everything else. And like, remember, like, imagine if you beat everything else and you only lose to Delva. That's, that's good. You Pretty know, good, that's right. That's, it's actually, yeah, that's at least top. 32 maybe top 16 or top eight right yeah with a little bit of luck that's like straight to the top eight almost right like that's that's exactly what i've been like saying for a while like if if that's like one matchup you can't even beat but you're that much better against everything else like sign me up i mean the the one thing keeping people away from doomsday is that it's still doomsday right it's scary but that, that, there's a lot to learn. And I think you mostly play Doomsday, right, on, on your stream. So if, um, if people want to learn more about the deck, or, or do you not? Yeah, yeah, yes and no. Um, I th- Yeah, so so what, most people might know me as the, the Doomsday guy. Um, but the truth is that I've 
I've been on Doomsday for only one and a half years. I, I, I've not been um, a long-time Doomsday player by any means. Um, I picked up Doomsday basically um, three, four months after... No, post-Lurus ban, maybe. Or maybe during the Lurus time. Um, I, can't, I can't remember. But like for, for the majority of my legacy career, uh, most people knew me as the Adnosum Tendrils guy. Um, but I knew you as the Canadian Threshold guy. But and you know me as the Canadian then. Threshold guy, right? Yeah, and like I, I played, I also played Top Miracles a little bit back then. But like the, the problem is, if you don't, let's say, like top eight a GP or do well in a, in a big tournament, people might not know that you can also play ten other decks, right? And um, so, like, I've been enjoying decks with very few win cons. That's my. That that's the number one rule for for any deck I I pick up is and it doesn't matter which format but I want to play a deck with as few win cons as possible and it it applies to all decks I play because like so when when I play Canadian Threshold I play Canadian Threshold of ten creatures not twelve or thirteen um like two Tamagots only like Jonathan basically just, you want to play like yeah. one Nimble Mongoose and that's it <laughs> right like ideally I only want to play four Nimble Mongoose and, and nothing else like Winter right. Robe is my main threat. <laughs> Yeah, winter, <laughs> winter orb is uh, is the end boss. Yeah, yeah. I like or like uh, miracles where you cut down to only three Jaces as win cons, maybe like one entreat, but like no mentors, no, um, nothing else. Or like well, at Norse that's first loads of win cons. I would that's... I would say there's like two snap glasses and two Jaces is plenty. Like one Jace. <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you, I'm pretty sure I've played like three Snapcaster, no Jace, no mentors before. The fuck? Holy shit. Are you for <laughs> real? Totally. Yeah. yeah. How does that work? Well, you just kill them with snapcasters. Like you stop everything else. You just completely lock them out. It's easy. Okay. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised you guys too. are giving me such a big silence. <laughs> like, you... oh, okay, more, yeah. From my side, it's more like the disgust. <laughs> yes, I love it. <laughs> but no, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm on Team Marcus where people play way too many wincons in in old miracles. Right. But sometimes right. you would play an entreat just for like time concerns. I think. And also because it's fucking good. <laughs> yeah, Entreat would Entreat would win your bad matchups and like it'd win you the it, the way to turn the corner against elves or something to bring back some great memories for you. Or like uh yeah, you play around terminus like a pro and then they just flip Entreat and kill you. <laughs> but um right. yeah. Very angel much entreat. Yeah. <laughs> but I used this is I loved playing the uh, kind of old threshold against uh miracles and it was just all about how unbeatable Nimble Mongoose was, and you'd have to obviously side out your Jaces and be absolutely terrified of Winter Orbs. You'd have like three spell snares in your deck, and you're like, yep, I know they have no other two drops. Tomglyphs are out of their deck, but you need to respect right. the Winter Orb. That was fun magic. Yeah, like especially those games where um, you, you as a Canadian Threshold player, like sometimes you, ha you had to stop attacking with Nimble Mongoose if you didn't have a spell snare ready, because um, if they flash in a snapcaster mage, they can they can you know trade with nimble mongoose. Mm -hmm. That'd be like the worst trade ever for you as a yeah. level player. Right? I remember so, just like, never attacking until uh, it was thresholded or they, or they had less mana up. But yeah, yeah. So then they got the double snapcaster mage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, guys. Um, before we go too deep into the past, um, some <laughs> some questions here uh, from I think we got five questions from the Discord. Shout out to those guys. The first one coming from our good friend Never Shoot, Martin Nielsen. Kai, if you could choose a card in Legacy to ban or a card to unban to best improve the current day Legacy Doomsday, which would it be? 
And uh, the caveat being that you cannot unban anything that is restricted in Legacy in Vintage right now. So no Black Lotus for you, I guess. Okay. Did it, Hi, Mark. I sent yeah, you the hi. question before you went to bed. Did you have some dreams about it? Uh, yeah, I, I dream about Doomsday every night. So that's no, that's nothing uh, strange to me. Um, hey, Martin. So how's you it put going, on, your, on your Tinder profile? I dream about Doomsday. <laughs> 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 Want to date me? I'm really good with building piles. Okay. <laughs> um, yo, Martin. I looked. So um, before I went to bed yesterday, I looked up the legacy band list. And, um, well, I mean, a lot of the cards I want to put into Legacy Doomsday are actually on the reserve list, such as, like, I don't know, like, Mystical Tutor, for example, Taxon Probe. Like, all of those cards are restricted in Vintage, right? So the only, the only non-restricted card, um, would be Imperial Seal, I think. Cause Isn't Imperial Seal restricted in Vintage? Oh, is it? I oh, thought shoot. it was. I think it is. I mean, the, the problem is like the card's so bad. Like no one, no one yeah. plays yeah, it. Nobody plays it anymore. So, I've got a follow-up question yeah. after this. Yeah. So I, I can't think of anything easy. My before he did the caveat, my mind went to Necropotence, not even Black Lotus, which is oh yeah, oh totally, really totally, yeah. Oh, Necropotence <laughs> would be absolutely insane. Um, yeah. Even the legacy, yeah. So like, but, uh, probably like the go-to cards: Gitaxan Probe, Necro, and Mystic. I like Tour. how those Faris we've answered with only cards that are restricted. Because <laughs> Probe is restricted as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, I don't um, know if there is a good answer. Yeah, but the thing is, like Imperial Seal, um, as good as the card is, I don't know if if that's a significant upgrade to Personal Tutor because you also lose life, right? You lose yeah. two life. Yeah. Yeah, it's Vampiric Tutor at Sorcery Speed. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, wait, I've got the answer. Top, right? Wouldn't Doomsday play oh, top? Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah, you nailed it. I saved you. <laughs> oh, yeah, Cal, yeah. yeah. Cool, cool. Damn. It's, e- it's oh, easy smart. to think the top is restricted in Vintage because it's very often either a one-of or a two-of. I guess it's usually a two-of, but yeah, it's weird. Right. Because we just oh, usually okay. fours. But follow-up questions, because I've always found that I can't like get a consensus on how people feel. In my opinion, the like vamp maybe is a bit much, but like mystical tutor and uh, seal seal and stuff. I just don't think these kind of tutors are very strong. Um, mystical, like I guess, and vamp goes into the same thing. It's like they would have been better with probe in the format, and maybe with straight suit wraith, they're still a bit iffy because they do get you the card immediately. But I don't know, like. There's so much resource trading in current legacy now that I just think going down a card is such a huge downside. Do you think that Mystical Tutor and or Vampire Tutor would be good in current legacy? Uh, I think, yeah. I think they would be gear yeah. broken. Like you play them on your upkeep, you still have the card the same turn. And yeah. I mean, t- to, be, to be fair, like stuff, for example, like Terminus isn't really like at its best in the format right now. Mm-hmm. But if you get to trade like four for one on a terminus that that's yeah. okay if you go like minus one on, on the mystical or something and yeah i i th- i still believe mystical and and uh ramp would be pretty broken but i agree that they would not be as broken as they were well i guess Rampiric was always banned but mm-hmm. mystical wouldn't be as broken as it was when it was banned today but i think it would still be like pretty yeah. stupid I could yeah. I could be undershooting it and like underrating yeah. them a bit. Like it is right, like what it would open up is kind of like a control deck playing two or three mysticals and like one terminus and mystic sanctuary and blah blah blah. Be kind of bullshit. Oh, but yeah, uh like Julian can also play it in elves, maybe. I don't I mean I I don't know about anything about elves, but maybe you you can uh tutor up like natural orders maybe so you don't have to play the full set because like drawing multiples is maybe bad. I don't know. Uh, hmm. uh, then not- you're still like left with the problem that you have like three like 
I don't know, Vampiric Tutors in your deck that you don't really want to play. Like, you can't draw the card on the same turn with Visionary, but that's really not great. Like, Elves, Elves is very, very, very much a critical mass deck. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, against the decks where you would really want to go for Natural Order, a lot of times that's actually because they have Chalice and stuff. And, like, you, your Alessaro Shepard is not really going to protect your Vampiric, and uh, you, <laughs> the Vampiric is not going to resolve in the first place, I guess. Yeah, it's... It goes against the very core of the deck of, of the deck being a critical mass deck, so I don't see it in elves. I will say, if you vampire chooses in elves, you would still draw progenitus every single time. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but see, that, 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 oh, that, that, yeah. that that's a good thing, though, right? So, so like, imagine if vampire tutor gets unbanned, um, and not every player would play that card. That's a good sign. That like that's a good indicator for a card to get unbanned. Right. Yeah, but the thing like, is, it, like, not every player would play that card. But like, those few people who would play the card would be so like, who would actually be able to make it work in the decks? I think they would be very far ahead of the format. It yeah, would probably think, like lead to an unhealthy right. position. Yeah, you got to be a little yeah. careful because um because it's gonna real punish those uh, non-blue decks, right? Like decks without counter magic. Like imagine you're like on a combo deck and you you can vamp tutor for your show and tell like every every single time on turn one or two. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really gonna punish everyone who's like on let's say goblins for example or like I don't know like Maverick. Yeah, I do wonder where it would be played most. Like first thing thinks is something like reanimated, but they have so much redundancy as well. But I guess it's it's gonna favor the combo decks that can drip as well. So you can get. I already card. know what Marcus sure. was gonna do. Like, Marcus is going to have a period tutor, like a deep analysis to the top, and then he's going to predict it. And it's like, hey. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Anyway, so moving on. <laughs> we have another question coming to Kai from Disco Drogo, host of the Stockholm Legacy Report podcast. Very cool. Kai, what is it about Doomsday that makes you thick? Wait, no. Oh, thick. <laughs> thick. <laughs> <laughs> call me, call me thick. <laughs> what, what makes you so thick? You, you seem to enjoy the deck so much. So what is it about Doomsday? I guess it's the lack of win conditions, like you already mentioned. Yes. Uh, first of all, it only has a single card as a win condition, which is already elegant. Disrespect to Street Wraith. Yeah, when I picked... <laughs> Dude, I kill, I kill people with Street Wraith. Uh, you, you can also see that on my... <laughs> Um, yeah, when, when I won the challenge, yeah, that was my round one opponent. It was the mirror game, and I took game two by, uh, building a pile of triple street wraith into another doomsday, cause I lost my Thus Oracle. Yeah. I had to pitch it to force of negation, wow. so I had literally no win condition left, except three wraiths. So I had wow. to make a doomsday pile with, uh, wraiths. <laughs> and also, I need to go back like, and watch this. That is incredible. This, this is what yeah. separates, like, people that do well in tournaments from doomsday players. I think some people would, like, I don't know. What, what was the spell you had to counter out of interest? Um, oh, there, Doomsday. Yeah, okay, so um, I, I, had, I had a Force of Negation. My only blue card in hand was Thassa's Oracle, and I like I was like, okay, well, I can't counter that, but then I better come up with some real plan after this, right? So what I did was um, I put in uh, Cavern of Souls on Wraith, um, <laughs> yes. and, <laughs> and just, you know, went I, like four, three fours. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then you kept the extra Doomsday so you wouldn't deck? Right. Uh, yeah. So I so I wouldn't deck myself, so I can you know just truffle my everything back in and get nothing. That is in. one of the best plays I've heard in such a long time. I love it. I'm amazed. Yeah. I need to go back and watch it. Dude, uh, I, I yeah, want to hear that, that story from the opponent's side. <laughs> yeah, and like I don't know. Like I, I felt like I was playing Delva against my opponent of some sort. Like you know, all my Delvas are pre-flipped. <laughs> <laughs> you bring dishonor to the Doomsday family. 
<laughs> right. Um, yeah, but back to the question. Um, what what makes you tick? Um, it's basically yeah. First of all, um, there's only one win condition, uh, which is real nice. Unlike a deck like Sneak Control, where you have multiple fatties, um, we only have one fish. And the other thing I really enjoy is like Dark Ritual is probably one of my. So Dark Ritual and Days are probably the two my two absolute favorite spells in uh, all of Magic. And um, whenever, like, when I played Storm back in the day, I also played Days in my, my Storm decks. And, um, yeah, just, like, playing Force of Will, Days, and Dark Ritual in the same deck is, like, the coolest thing to me. So that's, yeah, that's my, my, my reason for uh, running Doomsday. Awesome. So next question coming to us from Franco Borli. And Franco is actually asking about your favorite art for Doomsday. And when we, when we actually received the question, I was like, wait, there's more than one art? But apparently there's four different ones. And... I might already know which which art is your favorite one. Well, there's, a, there's your, only real, really one subscriber art. batch. Let's yeah, right. Yeah, which I think, in my opinion, is like a top ten art in Magic ever. We're talking about the so magical, the magic online pink one, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, <laughs> yeah, they're like um a couple of cool um artworks for for Doomsday. Um, it has a somewhat of a unique flair right it looks uh it looks so flashy but also evil at the same time so you see i'm i'm a big fan of the original artwork it has those like five demons um like in a like in a circle some sort uh you see those faces evil yeah yeah you see those five faces like all screaming and like shouting and like it's it's all it's all cool but it's all what what, what's kind of interesting about this art is that um the background is somewhat it has a lot of happy colors like quote-unquote happy colors like yellow um, bright oranges a little bit of pink reds and stuff like that so it kind of sets um it has it has a big contrast between like the the, the happy um background and the kind of like grotesque five demons uh, which gives it like a nice contrast and it makes those five demons look even more evil i think i just realized um, there's also five faith five faces in the background yeah, dude. I never saw that before. Yeah. They're all not looking happy. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of them's a oh, fish. Okay. It should be. But. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Never mind. I, get, I, get, I get it. One of them is Hothos Oracle. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So, last question coming to us from me, the Capitan. Well, ho- hold Capitan. on. We've got to, fin- we've got to finish the f- that question. They, they also said, um, what would you paint if you commissioned another oh, Doomsday? Oh, true. Yeah, sorry. Ooh, what I would I would paint? Yeah. Um, I would probably paint something a bit different. I was so when I think about the card Doomsday, um, the first thing that like if if I would paint it, I would probably go with like some some portrait looking, um, artwork. Um, that portrait probably being a little abstract and like falling into like five falling apart in like five pieces. That kind of that kind of layer sounds very cool. Yeah, like a shattered mirror or something. Yeah, kind of, because like Doomsday is, um, it it kind of defines my own fate, right? Like I like I'm willing to pay half of my life, so that, so like I'm kind of like hurting myself a lot, uh, which kind of sounds emo, but you know, <laughs> you, you lose like half your life, but you know, it's, and and you have like it's it's almost like Harry Potter where um, um, Voldemort uh, makes like those seven Horcruxes. Um, you know, like puts his soul into like seven pieces, and you got to destroy them, and like th- like stuff like that. It it has a lot of cool flair to it. So um, I would probably paint 
yeah um a human portrait which falls apart in the four, five pieces i think that'd be kind of cool yeah like and keep, like, keep it dark overall yeah yeah mm-hmm. i gotta say i do like the the art on the master set is it anniversary 25 can't remember what it's exactly called i like the strong red and the dark colors but i've always found that the, the figure in the middle a bit funny looking but otherwise mm-hmm. cool idea yeah that one looks a little bit like it would have been like out of a like quake game in, in the late mm, 90s yeah. or something that's that's I, kind of like the red sky and everything it reminds me of the end of the matrix films oh yeah yeah ah. <laughs> <laughs> okay cool so moving on another question coming to us from me the captain with a k which totally throws me off with how to pronounce it because it's not uh, anyway <laughs> <laughs> kai you've tuned current doomsday lists an incredible amount shout outs to martin nielsen what does your tuning involve for example testing versus theory crafting speed versus resilience and deciding what color splashes matter do, do you have like actually like a defined process or do you just like head yeah, on d- head into uh, league good- and be like hey let's try this good question um thank you so much um first of all yes shout out to martin nielsen he he's he's my man um he's like he has so much input and um it's usually him um and me talking about it on, on facebook like all the time um every single morning when i wake up i have like you know 20 unread messages from him because of new ideas and and this and that um as for deck building so this is not only for doomsday but like for all decks i play um is that i want to make sure that i'm i i want to have a functional sideboard which um where i bring in as many cards as i want to take as i want to take out so imagine like like sometimes you you see, you see like um decks where okay so i want to bring in 10 cards by own but i only can can take like 3 out that's not really good deck design right so like sideboard I, mapping you're saying sideboard mapping yeah basically that like wh- if you have a a good sideboard um mapping setup um it gives you a real a lot of confidence going into a tournament because you know exactly um, how how to change those between the tournament? Like you, like you not you're not gonna start experimenting during the tournament by going like, hey, yeah, maybe this card's gonna work out. Ah, maybe it doesn't. You know that stuff like that. Like every time you feel a little uncertain about um sideboard decisions, it might that idea might be still like stuck in your head for the next game or so, and it might lead to misplays or like misevaluating certain um game states and and things like that. So. Yeah, I think the the biggest one of the biggest uh, reasons um, people are successful are is that they have a proper sideboard um, sideboard guide or like a sideboard plan at least. Yeah, I very much agree with that. We um, it's one of those things where it takes a long time to do and like to plot stuff out, and then you know you kind of find something that works and fits, and then like the the meta game changes, other decks start to fight you in other ways. And you have to you have to constantly update it and constantly redo it, and it is quite work intensive, time intensive. So I think it's something that people, on purpose or not, like it's it's fair enough that it does take a lot of time. Sometimes people don't do it as much as they should do, but it is definitely a kind of a way to really really up your game if you spend a lot of time working on a full 75 rather than a main deck and then 15 random sideboard cards something that has helped me quite a lot as a player um is to to understand for example why we feel uncertain about um certain things or why why there's like a a feeling of discomfort when 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 you 
are in a match, but you're not sure how you wanna sideboard because you don't fully understand how the card works in the matchup. And that's that never used to be a good feeling for me until I like basically turned it around and I started thinking about it. Okay, why am I feeling like this discomfort or why is something not right? Oh, because there's a potential for growth and a potential to like increase my skill as a player. And when you think about it that way, that's actually amazing. It just sucks when that happens in a tournament because you feel, oh, I didn't actually like fully charge myself up as a, as a player, right? As a, as a player of this deck in this position. But thinking about it like that, um, I think there's like this somewhat pretentious thing where people say, hey, seek discomfort. Like, what's your hobby? Oh, I seek discomfort because it gives me personal growth or something, whatever. I mean, there's actually some truth to it, I, I'm pretty sure. But especially with magic, I feel that, that that's a great thing. Like, try to be as uncomfortable as you can be during testing so you can eventually like overcome that and 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 project that kind of confidence that you worked for into your play and i don't know I, stuff like that makes me feel great when i come to a tournament and i feel like yes i've, I've really ironed out w- what caused discomfort for me and now i know exactly what i'm supposed to do and yeah uh, what, what did you just say like really spoke to me on that level yeah totally um like it, also like yeah exactly also what, what callum said um the i really dig the idea of having a 75 instead of 60 plus 15 like sometimes you see cards and sideboards that look a little off like for example a sideboard tamagoy for example or like a sideboard uh i don't know like a i, I guess tamagoy is the best example but like i'm um, brainstorm or like a- <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh Oh, I'm playing a three and one split. <laughs> but, like, but like, for example, um, the um, when I, when I played that thousand tendrils, I had a three one split with dazes. So I had three dazes in main and another daze in my sideboard. And having a single daze in a sideboard looks it looks odd, right? Like who ever wants to play a, a daze in a sideboard? But it makes it made so much sense because there are matchups where I want four dazes, and there are matchups where I want three dazes, and there are matchups where I want zero dazes. So, like. Mm-hmm. Maybe for, um, for everyone who, like, who is like, um, who are like thinking, like, thinking about n- building new decks, maybe you should, you should, um, like, make a list of all the cards you want to play in your deck, um, no matter if that's in a sideboard or mainboard, and then map out, okay, well, these are the cards I definitely want to see in game one against anyone, and these are the cards I don't want to see in, in game one against anyone, and m- maybe this is a card I want to see, but not, um, as a four off, but maybe as a two off. Maybe I'm doing like a two two split or three one split, stuff like that. Um, I think that's you know kind what of that's helpful. called the kind of approach. No. I think we've talked about that like a year or two ago on the podcast, and I wasn't sure about the the term for that. But there's an actual deck building term for that. That's called elephanting. Mm-hmm. And I think like one of the guys who somewhat pioneered that is Sam Black. At least he was the guy who actually brought it to my attention when he talked about it on. I think in some article or a podcast, but that's exactly the kind of approach where you, you build the 74 and you don't even think about it in terms of main deck and, and sideboard. But like from that 74, you then look at all the different cards and you're like, okay, this is something I want in, in the main deck in X percentage of matches. And, and eventually you, you, you exclude 15 cards from those 75 and then you sit down and, and see whether it makes sense. I've, I've built a lot yeah. of decks like this and it's, I think it especially works for fair decks and especially even more especially for mid-range and control where you, as you said, make a big list of all the cards you want to play. You're going to start with all your cantrips, all the disruption, all this, that, all the removal. And then you'll have like 
over 100 cards, I have 150. And I find Magic Online very good to do this. So you put all these things together and then I usually like write it out with a paper and pen because I just find it easy like that. And then I start saying like, and then I go through MTG Goldfish and find all the top decks and I write them down. And then underneath each column, I'll say like, this card in my deck I want against this and this. And then I'll just work out the rough percentages. I'm like, oh wow, so I want Brainstorm in 100% of my matches. I guess that's going in the main deck. And then... With source of power shares, you're like, okay, well, this is like, you know, very divisive because you don't want it against combo, but you want it against fair, and the fair is probably going to make up like seventy percent of your matches roughly, and so you're like, okay, this is worthy of a main deck slot, um, and then you're looking at stuff like you know, flusterstorm. Okay, you actually want it against a lot of things. There is crossover between combo and fair, but you're thinking at that point, you're like, what point does how much is? Oh shit! <laughs> what was you that? okay? <laughs> yeah, actually. Oh shit! All my trophies just oh, no. fell down. Like all my M, but they are they are okay. Nothing. Not broken. Uh, actually, MKM Hamburg. Okay, a vintage one. Winner of MKM Hamburg vintage broke. Okay, well, vintage is broken. So <laughs> also oh, my, I just broke my screen, but that's the cheap one. Ooh, damn. <laughs> okay, I gotta buy a new one. Anyway, we, we just keep going. <laughs> okay. Never mind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, so so for example, for something like Flusterstorm, you're going to work out that you want it in like you want it against combo almost always, and it has crossover because there's not every single Delver deck you want it against, but often enough, and then it does like have crossover against control as well. But the problem is this card is like dead against Death and Taxes basically, or dead against Stompy decks, and so you then start to like work out like how like how many times is it just an okay card versus a dead card, and so Brainstorm is like always going to be live and stuff like that. So you're trying to just work out at what points in the deck you're happy with it. And so this is, comes down to like the numbers thing. This is where it gets weird. So I don't know. I like to mess around with the numbers. Like I had three Force of Wills in my Espermental deck because that is very unconventional for Legacy. And I got a lot of crap for it. Well, not, nice crap, don't worry. <laughs> but, um, but the thing is, I had, mad, a lot, I had a lot of disruption in my deck. I had two other Force of Negations and I knew I absolutely wanted two Force of Negations because the deck was quite weak to recursions like Life from the Loam and Punishing Fire. I knew that I wanted them. And then I was playing like a Thought Season Inquisition or two Inquisitions and him to Turax. I'm like, I have too many things for combo. I need to cut down on them. And I knew that I wanted the hymns because it was actually very good against the kind of other fair decks and stuff. And I was working out these numbers. So people were like, how did you get to one Inquisition, one Thought Season, three, four, so will? But it was using this process of like working out in which matchups you want this little thing. And it it's not randomly guessing. It's the, they are worked out and stuff. So... This is, this is, as I said, like the way I like to build decks for fair decks, um, starting with everything and trimming it down until you get something nice. And then by that process, at the end of it, you should have like maybe a little, like 20, 25 sideboard cards and you can use your theory that you used in making the whole deck to trim that down further. And it's rather than, just, yeah, building your main deck and then just being like, okay, well, I want a bit more for combo, so I'll throw in like four combo generic cards and discard and whatever. So, uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah. I don't think this theory works very well for like especially strongly synergy driven decks or sometimes combo decks. You still need to plot things out. You still don't want to be like, okay, I'm taking eight cards out against Delver. I need to be able to bring in at least eight cards against Delver from my sideboard and vice versa. I remember Sneak and Show is always the deck where I have like massive sideboarding from fair decks where you're like, all right, I've got all these plows, all these terminuses, all these expensive planeswalkers I need to cut out for some kind of disruption. And this is where, especially in kind of decks playing hate bears, you're gonna find the crossover and you're gonna choose which hate bears you're gonna want to build. Like 
containment priest will have splashes against different things like it's good against elves or it's quite decent there and then it's like it's good against sneak and show but not very good against omnitel but then you have if this one canonist which i think is better against elves and it's much better against omnitel and it's good against sneak and show as long as you're packing other reactive disruption so you're finding these things and if you have like loads of slots and you need to fill stuff for one of these matchups you can be like both of these hate bears are good good in all three of these matchups but like find the one that's better for the space you need and God, i could ramble about the subject for ages but uh yeah it's a it's a fascinating part of deck building and i think the more time you spend on it the more you get rewarded for it basically makes sense <laughs> i've got the, the yeah no, it, 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 no it, it, to- it totally does yeah and yeah. and um and that's not only for for like con- not only for control decks right it, it's for literally for every single deck uh yeah. it doesn't matter if you're a delva control combo uh stompy whatever your deck is um yeah so. yeah i mean like even stompy you've got to be like i could face the mirror so i need to take out these chalices and trinospheres and stuff and just have random creatures to bring in Sorry, I'm still so so devastated that my vintage trophy broke. Oh <laughs> no, no, Julian! Oh, oh come on! Oh shit! Oh shit! Uh, <laughs> Sorry, guys. Can you do it? Yeah. Uh, probably. Yeah. But it's vintage. It's supposed to be a little bit broken. <laughs> <laughs> Glue fixes everything. I mean, so. Yeah, that's kind of retro, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's all patched up and destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay so we we actually ended up um in a super theory harry episode and part of that i guess is going to be our last question coming to us from asimendias 17 he says kai congrats on getting the challenge win i've been trying out sneak and show recently and found it interesting in slight differences i found it interesting the slight differences in casting brainstorm ponder preordain force of and days compared to a delva deck Although Doomsday also plays these same cards, how do you think the context of these decks' game plans change the way that you cast these cards when compared to a fair deck like Delva or a slightly different combo deck like Sneak and Show? Okay, wait a minute for a second. Ozymandias, you're giving Kai way too much credit. Have you ever met Kai? Kai just like throws his cards out and he's like, hey, let's try this, let's try that, blah, 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 I'll take you three times with Street Wraith. This is how I do it. <laughs> uh, first of all, um, Ozymandias, um, I can't give you any uh, sneak and show advice because um, if I, yeah, that's like a terrible, <laughs> terrible idea. <laughs> um, unless you want to know how to kill yourself with Crystal Brand. Uh, that I'm really good at. But um, talking about forcible and days and cantrips, um, I think there is a big difference how you use them in a deck like Sneak and Show or like Doomsday in comparison to a Delva. I want to say because like I mean Delva is a full disruptive deck, right? Like you, so you play your, I don't know, Dragon Raid Chandler or your Murktide Region Delva, what have you, and then you kind of try to stop your opponent from doing their thing. And with Doomsday or Sneak and Show, you kind of have to use your spells like in a reactive way. Um. So, like, for example, especially, like, Days is a, is a somewhat complicated card for a deck like um, Sneak and Show and Doomsday, I suppose, because it can, like, for example, against uh, Death and Taxes, like, it can be correct to sometimes Days a turn one Aether Vial, but sometimes it is better to hold on your Days so you can Days a turn to Thalia if they want to play it, but if you, but if they, but if your hand is slow, then the Aether Vial, which you didn't Days the turn before, it might go up to two and then, you know, you're kind of screwed. Um, things like that. So it comes a lot with, um, timing and like your own hand evaluation. Like how far are you away from, um, comboing out? And 
how crucial is it that you have to take a land back to your hand? Because that's like a, that's a real cost, right? It's 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 a uh, absolutely for free for Delva most of the time because Delva doesn't care picking up a land. But imagine if you're like on sneak and show and you have sneak attacks in your hand and you only have a single volcanic island on the field and like dazing kind of feels bad, right? It's it's kind of like the same for Doomsday too because um with Doomsday the like casting Doomsday is only step one. That's only yeah, it's only half of the cake, right? Like you have to do some extra work after that, um, because ultimately you have to cast that Thassa's Oracle, and so you need mana to cast your cantrips like Ideas and Bound things like that. Afterwards, you need mana to cast um, Thassa's Oracle. So picking up a land might even backfire a bit. So you gotta be a little patient. I think patience is probably the key in the word I was looking for. Yeah, to to me it feels like. It's you, you have to find that interesting balance between, like you mentioned, um, if you cast days, then you're going to delay your own game plan by quite a bit. But if you don't cast it, then your opponent is going to be able to develop their game plan uh, quite a bit. And in, in Delva, it's rather easy strategically, right? You you want to get your, your threat down and then days become so much better because, for, like, you know, with Delva, when you have two days, when you don't have a threat down, it's already, like, kind of awkward because... Also, when you think about it, like your opponent, as long as Delva doesn't have a threat down, you're much less inclined to actually play into into days because you don't really have to. Whereas with like Sneak Show and Doomsday, you might you probably want a daze before your actual threat comes down because usually your threat immediately ends the game. So it's not that clear whether you really want a daze there or not. And uh, like I've seen on your stream, right? You 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 kind of want to daze something, but then you know it's gonna delay your whatever combo you're going for by sometimes two turns and and that's just like worse than if your opponent you know got whatever you were trying to days off and that i guess that's one of the biggest strategic skills and in figuring out how to use the card yeah yeah perfectly um summed up so yeah totally that's also like why you don't see days in control decks right because like imagine you have like teferi time raveler and nasset in your hand and like like i and Days also, and like you, you can daze the Delver, but that means that you're not gonna cast your Teferi Nasset for another t- couple turns. It's kind of awful. So I'm also like I'm trying to come up with a scenario where you you proactively play something really impactful in your control deck, and then you protect it with days. But the problem with that is like that usually happens in in, in control mirrors, right? You, when you want to get your like three mana Teferi down or your chase or something. But the answers to those cards usually cost like zero or one mana, like Pyroblast or Force of Oil. And that just like makes days so much worse. And in, in the other matchups, for example, against combo, like days is just like a choke, right? Yeah, I've, I've tried like a one of days in a lot of control decks. Because in theory, it always seems quite good to me because it's a thing where even if someone knows you have one, they can't really play around it too well because it costs them something. But the problem is against combo, there's just a lot of fast mana and they can play around it pretty well. And one is like not a very reliable plan. It's for having like a kind of a C grade card against them. And then in the other fair matchups, like it's just an all, obviously an awful draw later. And it's just, again, very unreliable because you're both the game gets to a point where your card quality is worth more than um, like the the mana investment. Like there's times where you'll not play a threat because you know that you're trying to bait a wrath or something like that, and that just means that you don't feel the pressure to play to the board. And in those kind of matchups and stuff, you're just you're just making land drops naturally and things, and days just becomes dead super fast. So yeah, you do need to have just a very low curve 
but also be applying pressure where your opponent just doesn't get to make these land drops freely and play around it as freely as well. You need to be threatened to kill them pretty fast. So this is why it works in Doomsday as well, because you're threatening to kill very fast. Similar kind of style. Yeah. So I guess it also helps a lot that you have Dark Ritual in Doomsday, right? So you really get to make up for the Templars. Yeah, um, Dark Ritual and Lotus Petals are... Like, Lotus Petal is, is, a, is a prime example for why Daze is so good in Doomsday. Like, so much better than, let's say, like, hot, like, Flusterstorm main or, like, Spell Pierce. Um, is that, yeah, you know, those mana accelerants, they completely change or undo the, um, the, the tempo loss of Daze, uh, which is kind of awesome. <laughs> for sure. Because, um, yeah, like, you know, yeah, in, like, old days, um, you saw a lot of Doomsday decks with uh, zero Daze's. But um, more discard or like Flusterstorm's main uh, main deck, things like that. Um, the problem is like also those decks have a harder time against things like Thalia, for example, and like other problematic permanents. And I feel like um, Legacy has gotten a little faster over the over the um, last couple of years. Like they are like more problematic permanents or like spells you can cast in turn one and two uh, instead of turn three, four, five. Yeah, I definitely so think that's you- true as well. Yeah. You mean from from like a control player's uh, from a combo player's perspective, like more things can go wrong earlier in the game. Uh, yeah, not only from a combo player's perspective, but like in general, like you know, um, five years ago we had to you only had to worry about a turn one limbo mongoose or um, I don't know, um, sender surviving top. I mean, these are these were like probably like the most threatening cards on the, five years ago. Uh, maybe Mother Runes <laughs> and Delva, and maybe Delva, yeah. But like now, you ha- you ha- you have a you have Ragavans, and you have you have you have just like so many problematic things that can happen on early turns that um, having additional unconditional counters in your in your decks, and that's also why it's interesting you, you more- say that. Sorry to interrupt you there, hmm? because I feel it's like actually not maybe even the opposite. Like these days, you don't have to worry about like counter lock, counter top lock coming down like on turn two. And everything else, like except for Ragavan, I don't really think there's too much really that's like problematic that comes down early. Like I, I, I would give you Dread or Darkness, but we rightfully got rid of that. Right. I mean, Wizards of the Coast does um did a make I did a good job at like banning those problematic cards, um like cards that are too powerful early in the game. Like you know, for example, Defra Charm is a good example. Oh yeah, that's not um, a good one. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah, I'm, let's don't talk about ban talks and stuff like that. I'm, I'm, I'm also not a person who likes to talk about bans all that often because it, it kind of kills the vibe. And yeah, ban, anyway, bans is just like so interesting because it's one of the most mm-hmm. requ- requested topics for anything on a podcast, but it's also one <laughs> of the worst topics always. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Um, and like you're right, like counterbalance top was was powerful and fast, but hmm, I don't know. Um. No, maybe that. No, maybe maybe that was a good. I mean, that's the reason why top is banned now. Okay, well, I think no, I think p- partly there as well. <laughs> it is. It was powerful and fast, but because the rest of the format wasn't as powerful and fast, it means other people's curves could be a bit higher, which makes counterbalance a bit worse as well. So that combo got stronger as the format got stronger and more um, lean and cheap and stuff as well, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Like I mean, the, I mean that's co- why it kind of vanished, right? It, it it was like countertop was a thing in like two thousand eight, nine, seven, even in Legacy, and then completely went away, completely died, and it was only revitalized when when miracles became a thing, and 
part of that, if you ask me, is also like Deva's fault. I mean, that's already like, okay, we know we're super deep into this, right? But <laughs> nothing sped up the format more in its entire history than the printing of Deva of Secrets, which like heavily lowered mana costs. And I guess, yeah, that's that's what you're saying, right? Now yeah. everybody comes down on the mana cost and also like we get Terminus and that's why all of a sudden comes back and yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just so much uh, <laughs> lower curves and so much you have to go under the, the Terminus and stuff. So yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So... Before we close out the show tonight, there were actually like a ton of tournaments happening um, on Magic Online lately. We we had like the two uh, Legacy Challenges. We had the Legacy Showcase Challenge. We also had Anorak's um, 1.2K Sub-Invitational. That was amazing. Actually, I want to talk a lot about the format of that, the double elimination. But that's going to be something probably for the next podcast because I have a lot of thoughts on that. And yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that. One deck that really stood out to me was Goblins played yes. by is it, is it Eli Ellie Eli Goings? Yep, Eli Goings. Also known as Saturn on Magic Online. Like- and he finished second run up and I think it was like a 210 player tournament, the Legacy Showcase Challenge, which is like the quarterly mm-hmm. isn't it like the quarter no, it's the it- monthly thing that qualifies you for the quarterly thing. Yeah. I think I got it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, pretty big deal when it comes to Magic on, on Magic Online. Uh, lots of huge prizes. And I'm especially happy for him because I'm pretty sure I saw him tweet about how he was like burned out and things weren't working out from him. And he was actually like looking to take a break. And boom, comes mm-hmm. back with a second place finish in that in that tournament. Hell wow. fucking yeah to the Goblins. He oh, yeah. completely deserves it as well. He has been playing Goblins forever. And if you watch, just shout out to his stream as well. Um his stream is so good because he knows the deck intimately. It's basically all he plays. I don't think I've ever seen him play another deck on his stream. And when someone knows their deck so intimately like this, especially like something as passionate as Goblins, as as all Goblins players know, like he goes through all these different kinds of lists and he just understands it in and out. And the way he plays it, I, for me, Goblins is one of the hardest decks I've ever played in the format. And like he just knows when to like port on turn two into turn three rather than play a two drop and what things to evaluate where and he's just incredible with the deck and goblins is obviously like having a pretty uphill battle against legacy for a very long time now but he's very often 5-0ing he's getting good results Uh, he's had a bit of a block in the higher in the like challenges and uh, especially showcase challenges so to see him come and take second now is for me super deserved for an incredible player and uh yeah he, I'm so happy to see him take it, like almost take it down. Definitely, yeah. It's like the coolest thing I've I've seen in in weeks for sure. And also, it was um I now um got a chance to even look at what a current uh goblin deck looks like because like everyone's talking about goblins, but like I actually didn't know how how many goblin matrons you play or like how many ringleaders you, you're supposed to play or like skirks and prospectors and stuff like that like those like those numbers are kind of important in a non-brainsome <laughs> yeah. non-ponder deck right because you, mm-hmm. you have to draw them in like in the right sequence and things like that and like one thing um we can maybe talk about the deck list in a second but one thing that completely blew my mind was that there are only three basic mountains in goblins and i had the assumption that uh, goblins run at least 20 mountains kai 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 you're <laughs> you're so out of date holy shit <laughs> uh, this thinking, is like extended uh, yeah yeah what's yeah um goblins has been like black based so playing two badlands and a bunch of fetches since modern horizons one so for sling gang and munitions expert and before that there was mono red, but you would like you're still playing four cavern, four wasteland, four port, and then 
like there, there there is this discussion on whether you should play fetches or not like fetches can be stifled and cost you life but you get to like shuffle things you put on the bottom with a ringleader and stuff i don't know there's, there's some people did the numbers and i find numbers boring <laughs> but um yeah i i think since for, for a good couple of years it's been uh like three or four mountains is common oh okay yeah well my bad then yeah <laughs> you, you must, yeah <laughs> See, yeah, okay. I like well, to live I'm in Kai's world, like Goblin <laughs> plays 20 mountains, F plays 20 forests, Death and Texas <laughs> plays 20 plains. It's all easy. There, There is the 24 <laughs> lands, which is like the classic standard number of lands for decks to play, though. That could just have like 12 mountains, 12 yeah. uh, utility. <laughs> the, the thing that actually like really spoke to me was the mask vendor, because that that's so cool. That's the... Oh, what is it? It's like a it's, changeling. It's a one a green for a one three changeling, which changelings are like every single creature type. So it's a goblin. Oh, and that's a goblin too. Oh my god, that's so cool. It's so good. <laughs> and when it ETBs, oh you can yeah. remove a creature in your grave from the game to exile an artifact or enchantment. So this is especially relevant with Caldra complete in the format. Um, otherwise, the deck has no answer to it so Eli started with one vandal in his sideboard when the card was released I believe and we can now see one of the main deck because Calder completes so popular with DNT doing well and I'm pretty sure he beat DNT on his way to his second place finish so that's again like this super cool tech of this masked vandal like he was on it straight away because he's like this is a card my deck wants and um, yeah he's literally splashing green just for masked vandal and uh, yeah, that's yeah, like how, how Kevin of Souls actually casts it, right? Because it's a goblin. Yeah. It, it's there for the mana fixing as well. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah, so awesome I guess deck. you got the one tiger, you got the fetch lands for it, and the caverns. And you can violet in, you don't need to cast it and stuff. So yeah. he The other, the other unusual things, like he had a Kiki Jiki and Mirror Breaker. Um, I want to ask him more about this, but I've always loved Kiki Jiki in these decks. It's just like a big value engine. And. Um, I've just seen him talking in chats and in the Goblins Discord and stuff how key it was by like making more mass Vandals, I guess, or um, against Control, he would just make Ringleaders and Matrons, whatever, and go crazy. But I think against DNT, especially, he was making Vandals or Crater Makers and stuff to take out all the extra equipment, so just more removal. And it's just very hard to beat once that gets going with uh, Vial and Five and whatever. So. Yeah, so I Kiki actually Jiki. did an interview yeah. with him on MTG Goldfish, uh, where, where they specifically talk about Kiki Chiki. Oh, really? And Eli is saying, Kiki allows you to generate ridiculous value in the long game, and it is weirdly resilient versus certain decks. As a 5-CMC creature, it dodges Fatal Push, Abrupt Decay, Prismatic Ending, and Skycliff Apparition. Yeah, it's really nice. That's really, cool. really nice. I mean, you, you get a Flicker Wisp every turn, right? Basically? Flicker Wisp? Kind of? I mean, it's it's kind of like a flicker wisp effect. I mean, like if you if you have Kiki Jiki in play, that's you, you can flicker anything. Yeah, you, true, uh, true. Or you start just like uh, making. Yeah, you could do so many things with this de- <laughs> with this card. Actually, it's just like way too many things you can do. Like even just like <laughs> yeah, yeah. copying Maxus. Come on, <laughs> you can't actually copy Maxus. Uh, uh, oh, because sh- it says non legendary, right? <laughs> yeah, shout oh. out to Julian for the only creature. Look at me, <laughs> literally the only card you can't copy in the entire deck. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's got many, many people before. So yeah. again, like this is just me praising Eli and his uh, understanding of the deck, and like the sideboard is the classic, just all ones and twos because he has mapped it the shit out, and he he knows exactly where he wants everything before. And I've done like a bunch of videos with him for his Patreon, and we've gone through like decks that I know fairly well, and we just play like a bunch of games against goblins, and then we talk out what kind of sideboard cards are best, what you should take out, and then he goes and takes that information, and then he 
builds upon his like knowledge of the sideboard what his deck wants and like builds on that and stuff so this this one of Caracas is not a, is not a fluke. This one of Pith and Needle is not a fluke. This one of Megas of the Moon, not Blood Moon, is not a fluke. There's a reason for that. Um, I won't be able to tell you straight away, but he knows who he wants everything for. The 76 cards total is not a fluke. So uh, he's he's found oh. it. I, oh, I holy shit. Like yeah. That. That's, yeah, that's, boy. What happened? What ha- okay, he, so what is, what, is the, yeah, what is the 61th card in the main? He's basically... I think his... his thing is he doesn't believe the extra card like makes the deck any more reliable uh, less reliable sorry and there's just so many utility cards to keep in the deck plus a high goblin count for goblin ringleader plus having your like key cards like vile and lackey he just says that each time he builds a deck there's nothing to cut um, like the most you know important what, thing is that yeah. you have tutoring right i mean it mm-hmm. doesn't make sense it doesn't make yeah. any sense in a deck without tutoring but in a deck with tutoring it's it's the big deal that's also like yep. why i often played 61 and f's I agree. I agree. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it, 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 it kind of reminds me of uh, of people who go like, "Okay, I kind of want to have eighteen point five lands in my deck." Like <laughs> you hear it every now and then, right? And, and like yeah. maybe you get to that eighteen point five, for example, if you put in the sixty first card in your deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Part of it also is like when you think about it, um, people say, "Oh, when you when you play sixty one cards, instead you should cut something." But the thing is, you. Like if you cut a four of down to a three of, you're cutting twenty five percent of that card, and that's just like sometimes you just can't do that. And then at that point, maybe I should actually like I I've once spelled it out in like a super long post on Reddit why I played sixty one and F's for for quite a long while, and every like do it every once again uh, every once in a while in F's still. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's it's way too long for this podcast to go into detail. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I'm gonna put it in the show notes. I'm also going to put Eli's show, um, Patreon in the show notes because apparently, like, he's got a ton of content on there, mm-hmm. and I bet he also must have like a sideboard sideboard guide, right? Yeah, he does. I think he does a monthly update, and he, wow, yeah, it's, I'm sure it's great. Yeah, he really, really knows his stuff when it comes to opens. <laughs> awesome. I actually played a little bit of Death in Texas today. Um, Death in Texas has been doing really well. I think we we will be talking a little bit more about like what's going on in Legacy in the f- next episode. Um, but in Anorex tournament, uh, XJ Cloud and Nif Shmuli, Shmu- what, what's his nickname again? Help me out. Uh, 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 you know everything. You know each and every one in Legacy. Because <laughs> he, he's incredibly good with Bat Miracles. He's Trunks 22 or 32 on Magic Online. Pretty sure it's Trunks something. Trunks 132, you're right. Yeah, so okay. those two guys went to the finals. They split the finals. And yeah, it, it, it's kind of cool, right? That XJ, mm-hmm. who, who was the pioneer of playing Yorian in uh, in Death in Texas and actually like establishing that, actually is the guy who who went all the way. And I think they played it out for the glory, and XJ took it down. So yeah, I, for as much Texas. as I hate Yorian, <laughs> <laughs> after talking about how I played sixty one cards, I actually threw this together and played in the league today. I got wrecked by elves. I got wrecked by some fast combo. But I, I had some amazing games against Bunt Miracles where I did stuff like, you know, recruiter for recruiter for recruiter to really just slowly grind them out. So much like, I, I'm really feeling the deck. I've seen all the, the good DNT players, or actually all DNT players, just say, yeah, they are very, very, very confident in their both Bant and Blue Red Delver matchups. And the, the results are showing it. Like, uh, John is obviously crushing everything he touches. He's just incredible with the deck. And yeah, it's putting up results. So shout out to Jason Murray as well, who is Luanil. He came fifth in the event and he was one of the other sort of originators with Yorian as well. And he is also just a stone cold crusher with the deck. So watch out for him as well. And there's just a bunch of good Death and Texas players. Um, 
so yeah i think the the deck is just going to see a resurgence for a bit bit longer now it's just i actually i'm going to um quote jacks our favorite combo idiot he said the best printing for death and taxes since skyclave apparition has been ragavan which uh, makes a ton of sense. Like they just have, they just don't care about the card very much, and especially just Krakus or like all the ground creatures and stuff. And so yeah, I think we're especially with some Dava decks now, even cutting the Dava, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was thinking like, so when you have Delva and Dragon Rage Channeler and Murktide Regions, like all your creatures fly basically, and that sounds quite bad for Death and Taxes, but hasn't really played out. I guess they just have so much removal with the uh, Skyclaves and swords and everything as well. It's fine. But the thing is, you still get Delvat. At least that's what happened to me. Like, I played against Blue Red Delvat. I was in the draw. I, I think I played a single spell before I died. I didn't have a <laughs> one drop. I played Spirit of the Labyrinth on the second turn. And then on their third turn, they already made the uh, Murktide Regent and, and had like two more creatures. And it was just like too much. It was yeah. literally too much. I just couldn't keep up. But other than that, I think you, you you're in a pretty decent spot. Mm-hmm. Also, I yeah. like I went for a one-hour cycle before we started the podcast um, today, and I was listening to the Depth podcast where XJ is actually a guest. Um, so definitely check that out if you want to learn more about the deck. And I think I'm, I'm actually going to put that in show notes as well. Yeah, I do. Um, I've listened to the a couple of the episodes, and they're great. Really enjoy Michael Mapson's uh, like view on the on the podcast on the podcast on the format. He's incredibly good with depth-based decks as well. I think that's one of the. It's in the name, the Depth podcast. He's, he's quite known for it, and he's been crushing with green-white depths recently as well. So, yeah, yeah. I love them. Also, like, one thing I particularly like about this Yorian uh, uh, type of deck, uh, Death and Taxes. First of all, Death and Taxes is, a, is one of the most clean-looking decks, right? It's, it's mono-white, no no touches, it, like, you know, planes only. It looks real. Like, from an aesthetic point of view, it, it's a really nice-looking deck, I think. Mm. It actually plays 19 planes. This is almost like the world that Kai lives in. <laughs> oh, then, yeah, that, 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 that's me. See? So, you know, I, I see. Okay, well, the next time I'm going to be on this podcast, it's probably going to be like three planes and, like, and then some, some, some other dual lands or something like that. I, I see it coming. I see it coming. Yeah, but, but no. that already exists. It's called Espavai. <laughs> oh, shoot. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that kind of vanished anyway. No, um, but what, what I was saying was um, so you can. You, so you, you can you can get that Yori in your hands to pitch it to solitude. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. That's so yeah. cool. Yeah. It reminds me of Marcus Ewald, um who with his Kahiris. He loves Kahiris. Yeah, who came up with Kahiris so you can pitch yeah. them to um what was it? Like Force of Vigor? Force of Vigor? Yeah. yeah. I yeah. think. So Ant was doing this as well. They played four Force of Vigor in the sideboard and like no other green cards in the deck. Maybe like a couple of replicates in the sideboard. But they had yeah. um whatever it's called. A green one. I've forgotten now. <laughs> professional yeah. legacy podcast host. The green one, whatever. I can't remember. The green name. one. <laughs> Endurance? No. Uh, the green one that cares about all the different creature types? Uh, prob- no, it was Kahira. There we go. I got Kahira. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right in front of me okay. all this time. Yeah, it's some, some real big brains. Yeah, like Einstein. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Yeah. But yeah, that really, really excites me. Um, I, I might actually start jump into another league after... Actually, I have to work tomorrow. No, never mind. <laughs> but yeah, but I'm, I'm going to play a lot more Death and Texas. That deck really makes me feel things. And when I look at it, like with Yorian and all that stuff that's going on, like mm-hmm. the first thing that came to my mind is like, this is a really good version of like Nick Fit. Like this is trying to do what Nick Fit... Tr- this is successfully doing what Nick Fit tries to do. Wow, shots fired indeed. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm a little bit off here. <laughs> what do we think of the first place list from Saturday's challenge and the eighth place list from the showcase challenge? 
that will be blue, black, red doomsday from Sour Tarix. Did you play? That's the, horrible. Did you play the same list, Kai? Uh, I would never play it. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, um, I did a couple of changes. Yeah, so um, the cool. where I finished first, um, I played massacre and nausea in the sideboard. Uh, for everyone who doesn't know Nausea, it's a two-mana black sorcery from um, Exodus. Crazy set, by the way. Um, and it um, gives every creature minus one, minus one. And I, I picked that card to have um, to have a tool against both Death and Taxes and also Elves. Because like you can have all the counters in the world, but if they if they go Alistar or Shepard, then you're kind of screwed. So I kind of wanted to have that Nausea in there. And for the Showcase challenge i dropped both slots so uh, i had no massacre and no nausea and i um i had two additional copies of pact of negation so i won three split talking about splits again uh, so basically the full four pact of negations to combat delva nice. and um i said i said it on my stream i was like okay well today everyone we're gonna pretend that mo- um that basic plans is not a real magic card in, in legacy <laughs> and you know what happened i got paired against death in texas twice Nice. So. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that part of your stream. Like you announced, we're gonna pretend that death and taxes isn't a thing. And like half a minute later, you were looking at results and you were asking chat, "Why is death and taxes doing so well?" It's like, eh. right? Like, I was it like literally why. like the, it was like the second most played deck, right? <laughs> we are gonna see a lot of it. Yeah. So, um, so with these lists, like, so you would, yeah, recommend pact of negation in like the the big premier events, I guess. When you're expecting um, a lot more Delta. Yeah. Pretty- Pretty much, um, they all have different um, uh, different targets. For example, um, you see me play um, the full set of um, force of negations. For example, they are mainly for um, things like Childs of the Void, Trinisphere, Blood Moon, but also um, Show and Tell, Sneak Attack, and the Mirror Ma- a Mirror Match. Pact of Negation, on the other hand, is a card specifically and only for Delva, because um, mm-hmm. um, I swapped them with Force of Wills. Okay, Do you play? Like, I like that. Cool. Yeah, I love mm-hmm. that as well. Do you play them against control as well? Uh, no, I don't. Because against control, um, you as a doomsday player, you can also pass the turn. Like it doesn't. Oh hurt, yeah, yeah. Right. You you can go doomsday go and have some some crazy Sheldog Isle Emrakul coming up at or like yeah yeah, um or like I don't know Cavern of Souls um Thassa Oracle. You didn't have to race them, but like Delva is so aggressive. You can never you can almost never pass turn against Delva because like what they do is like so it just hurts a lot. So, um, and all the blue spells you would pitch the force of will are valuable cantrips, like va- so valuable, like you need them in your combo turn to dig into your pile, or you you need to cast them before Doomsday to find your things. So, force of will, um, most of the time is kind of like a, it's just like a terrible magic card against Delver. Mm-hmm. And force of Neg- pact of negation does the same thing, except it doesn't need a pitch card. So, yeah, I love That's it. Makes complete sense to it. me. Very nice. Sweet. So we're definitely gonna link your uh, whichever list you would recommend the most to to people going blindly into a big tournament. So we're definitely gonna put that into the show notes as well. So anything else that jumped out to you guys from the results? There's a few kind of cool ones to me. So there, there is. Yeah. Uh, like the <laughs> thing that stood out to me the most was that there was actually, actually like a pretty healthy variety. Even though, like, if you look at the at the showcase challenge meta results, we have. Blue Red Delva at 20% of the field, which is like, whoop. It's like, lot, every time yeah. you go above, like, 12%, we're already, like, approaching a territory of what's going on here. But 20%, wow, that, that, that's quite a lot. Um, yeah. But, like, actually looking at the top eight, this is, like, all different decks almost. It does look much nicer than the 20 Delva, 20% Delvas in your head. <laughs> yeah. 
Like it does, yeah. Like what jumps out to me is you have what, like uh, one deliverance, two deliverance in the first one. You have none in the second one, um, and then just kind of two in the third one in the showcase. One you called blue red no delver, so it must be just basically the delver shell, but without delvers. But it's quite cool. There's green white depths in all three top eights as well. One of which is Michael Mapson, who we chatted out with the depth podcast. So he knows actually, what's his nickname on Magic Online? M Mapson one two five. Oh, M Mapson, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, that's him. <laughs> Just like the moment I saw it, I was yeah, like, yeah. that's probably him. <laughs> uh, we saw Reanimator in the second one. I haven't seen Reanimator in a very long time. Aaron Relentless is uh... Eric is actually like tearing up the leagues. He might actually be the trophy leader again. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen, I've heard like um, whispers of his return. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... Yeah, otherwise, actually, you're right. I was more just like skimming and seeing the Urza Echo Day Stumpy, which is Basuta. Um, there's a kind of pretty clear shell, but he plays something a bit different. Um, he plays like the the pay three life land as well. And I can't remember the exact things he does differently, but his, his take is a bit interesting. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, we do see a bunch of death and taxes. We see the coolest name for a deck in a long time from Marcus, who is, I would like to respond, Esper Doomblade just sounds really cool. For a moment, I was like, what the fuck? Why, why would Marcus play the stupid Doomblade? But turns out it's actually, it's straight up Doomsday in the main deck. And then he has like 15 creatures in the sideboard and yeah. he turns like into Esper Control. Yeah. Yeah, he has, yeah, he has like a mono-white uh, sideboard. Yeah. Um, I was talking to Marcus quite a bit about his list. Um, so that, that sideboard is purely against Delver. And mm. he wants to become an Esper Control deck against against it. Have like infinite removal and like Stoneforge Mystic into Skull and Mentors. And things like that. The mm-hmm. problem with, with this kind of deck, though, like I I see I see the appeal, right? Like I I, I get why he's doing it, and um, you also see it sometimes in decks like uh, Omnitel, for example, where people go like real crazy on those green creatures post sideboard. Um, but the problem is that, um, for example, Marcus has zero cards in his sideboard to bring in against combo, or like zero cards to bring in against band miracles, like things like that, right? So. It, I don't know. Um, whenever you build something like that, you gotta be careful to not have a tunnel vision of only one specific matchup you wanna you wanna tackle because legacy is like even though twenty percent for Delver is is, is huge, um, mm. it means that eighty percent of um of your pairings are gonna be not Delver. So yeah. that's I, something I, you I gotta would, keep in mind. I would call this less of a like super tacked out sideboard and more like a lifestyle sideboard this is just like the, the marcus <laughs> lifestyle, lifestyle sideboard and he and he's doing it yeah and after that he's also like he's still playing like Battlescar and chitter there's there's no kydra complete even though that has been tearing up things <laughs> i guess he values the life gain he's, he's not the aggressor as much against delver i suppose but like to carry on with kai's point especially as well like you need to make sure if you're gonna like do a hard pivot like this, because um, a lot of decks can do this, as you mentioned. Omnitail is playing like the uh, shifting ceratops and stuff like that, other nonsense. Um, first of all, you need to make sure that that combo plan, that that cyber plan, beats the thing you're targeting. Like I, I do see this kind of creature heavy white sideboard beating Delver for the most part, but like, does it beat it enough and consistently? Plus, like factoring in. Is it worth losing all these spots for other matchups and stuff? Like, even if you're playing Delver three out of five games, like, are you then winning that matchup 100% of the time off the back of this sideboard? Maybe he is, um, but you've got to ask yourself these kind of questions. And is is doing this, like, better than just like, making your main deck better against Delver as well, like, teching up for that and affording some more sideboard space? 
Do you know the answer? I guess one day with yeah. a little bit more preparation, um, we, we could look at Legacy and be like, hey, has there ever been a really good side deck with a transformational sideboard? And without further research, but ju- just judging from experience, I think the answer is no. Hmm. Uh, um, Breach, Breach with Mentor was pretty damn good. Breach with Mentor? And yeah, but also, I, I, uh, like, yeah. whenever I talk about stuff, like, I don't count like the... The obviously like broken stuff fine fine okay yeah um you, you could you could see maybe decks like um cephalid breakfast which kind of turns into a stone blade list with two yeah. names post sideboard maybe it's funny you mentioned that because that was like the only thing that came to mind but i couldn't remember what it actually turned into <laughs> I, I i used to play a nick fit storm deck at my local game store that had full grave titans I, okay okay kind of i crazy give, give me a second you play what well you go turn one veteran explorer turn two cutting the weak grave titan I'm gonna I'm gonna clip that and put it onto onto Twitter or something. <laughs> it's pretty simple to be honest. And and the main the main deck had uh ad nauseum and primeval titan in it. Oh, oh no, my god. Okay. That sounds okay. terrible. <laughs> sounds like terrible. I deck think we're building. slowly entering like a fever dream here. I think we should, we should be better get I, I got now. to do I, I just didn't need to like do say this one play I got to do with the deck. I was playing against goblins and they like went turn one, it was like with ancient tombs, they played turn one thorn ramethyst turn two thorn like yeah, yeah you're crushed and so i like played an led turn one off the one mana turn two tap two lands play a second led and then i think i played a top and then saw a primeval titan on top so i get to just like sack both leds for six mana tap top get primeval titan go and get thespian stage in dark depths it was the sweetest combo deck you've ever seen we can finish the show there <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> This this was way too much input from you. Uh, I I do have the list. I wrote an article about it years ago. You <laughs> so did? Oh my god! I I cast I cast the tendrils using a chrome mox that had a Gallic Teague imprinted on it. Oh my god! Oh okay. My god. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> anyway. If anyway. you want to hear more about the madness that is Callum's Bruce and Legacy, Callum, where can people find you on Twitter? Twitter is at WhitefacesMTG. Yeah, at WhitefacesMTG. It's the best place to find me, honestly. Awesome. Kai, where can, where can people find you? Um, yeah, I'm Kai Salatari on uh, on Twitter and also uh, Salatarix on Twitch, YouTube, and yeah, uh, Salatari Doodles is my homepage and Salatari Doodles unders- um, underscore Doodles on Instagram. Awesome. What's your fax, uh, fax machine number? My fax? You, you <laughs> I, have gotta one, buy, right? I gotta buy it first, though. I gotta buy oh, it first, and then machine? I'm gonna. See, this Dude, is like... why the guy at the market is always greeting you in English. You're not, not like because I don't have a faxing machine. <laughs> 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 so, so they awesome. can you yeah, send me the bill? Yeah, for fax. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't trust you. <laughs> so, if you want to follow us, we are at Eternal MTG on Twitter, uh, also Eternal MTG on Instagram, and you can follow me on at It's Julian Twenty Three on Twitter, and just It's Ju- It's Julian on Twitch. If you want to support us, uh, helps us out a lot if you leave our five-star review on iTunes, um, not on Spotify. Like, I've been telling people to leave a review on Spotify for ages until people were like, Julian, you can actually not leave a review on Spotify. I'm like, okay, never mind then. <laughs> <laughs> and you can, of course, also support us on Patreon, on patreon.com slash everydayeternal, and become a member of our ever-growing pa- uh, community of Patreons who are ca- helping us keep the lights on, keep the podcast running. Thank you so much for that. Especially our Eternal Witness tier supporters, Tommy Hanks, Testacula, Sebastian Hollager, Guillaume, Jake, and Severin Schwarzuba. And drumroll, our Grizzlebrand tier supporters, Victor Benatz, Baju Butt, Scott Monroe, Jeremy Gates, Henry Korkutz, Tom Hepp, Bill Schlichting, and of course Paragon Games in St. Louis. 
thank you so much. Thank you, Kai, for coming on the show tonight. Hope you're having yeah. a great day. And yeah. Thank you. See you again on the next cast, everyone. Bye-bye. Ciao. Have a good one. Bye.